0: You're listening to Infinite TBR, the podcast where we try not to buy more books. I'm Smack. And I'm Gabby. Spoiler alert! We're going to avoid major spoilers, and when we can, warn when we're going to discuss a particular book in detail, so you can avoid that part of the episode. You can also check the show notes for time-stamped flags identifying potential spoilers. And we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. Excellent. With a lap dog. Yes, (laughs) there's a dog on my lap. (laughs) Very large. (laughs) Not a huge dog. A dog-sized dog. Yes. So, So, what are we reading? Yes, it's been a while, so we have some book chat to catch up on. Indeed. I don't think you had a whole... Well, you had a couple very big highlights Yes. But you discussed them in your newsletter. I you did. You didn't want to go into it today. Because I want to reread it so it'll be fresh and I can properly gush. Yes. And I have to think you would enjoy gushing more if I have also had a chance to read them and so you don't have to control yourself. Basically, yes, that is absolutely accurate. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot about that part. We are talking about the Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton. <laughs> and its recently released companion novel... The League of Gentlewoman Witches. I loved them both. I read the first one rather recently. And, like, I did that thing where, like, I'd read 100 pages, and then the next day I'd go back 30 and mm-hmm. read them. So, like, I feel like I read it twice. <laughs> and, and then the second one is somehow even better. So exciting! It's so good. It is just, like, a joyous book. But we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. We'll talk about something else. But we will say, highly recommended. You can see Smack's newsletter if you want to see a little bit more about it. What Smack said. I'll put it up on the Twitter page. Because it is, there is like a link I can share. We could also add a link to the show notes. That too. So we will get to that in a future episode. I have more things to talk about, I guess. None that maybe I felt as passionate about, but... Well, some of the okay. <laughs> we'll just start at the beginning. So okay, since I talked to you last for the podcast, mm-hmm. I read Brother Song, which we already talked about right. by T.J. Clay. extensively. Yes, go look for that in another episode all about Green Creek. And I read The Light at the Bottom of the World by London <gasps> yes. Shaw, which was a bit of a letdown. The world building was very interesting. It's I should the one say with the fish on the cover the whale. <laughs> the whale, whatever. I mean, is. I'm sure there are also fish. Okay. I was too distracted by the whale to pay attention to anything <laughs> else. So the premise of a light at the bottom of the world is this it's another her parents went on a hunting trip and never came back. <laughs> except not really um her father gets basically kidnapped by the government, arrested by the government, okay. and won't release him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's the very like black bag thing, and she's trying to win a basically an underwater street race. It's like post-apocalyptic, so most of the world is covered in water. Wow. So everything's in submersibles. Excellent. Yes. Like I said, very good world building. Yeah. So she's a street racer, and there's a. Are Are there there streets? Well. Submersible, okay, like okay. the equivalent of street racing of underwater. Streets, okay. uh, so the streets are still there, all okay. the buildings are still there. So it's very you can tell that she lives in in or around London. Is very right. familiar with London and okay. UK. So she and there's this like I think annual street race they do, and it's like a random selection thing, a lottery, mm-hmm. and if you're selected to participate, if you win, you get one request of. And anything you want from the government. Wow! And she was like, "She wants her father back." Yes, yes. So she enters the street race to try and win to get her father back. And who is this one by? London Shaw. I assume it all goes horribly wrong. Well, so that's actually just the very beginning of the book. So I'm. We can talk around the spoilers, right? Well, that's the thing is, once you get past the street race, I have to say whether she wins or not oh. to explain the rest of the book. Oh, so, so the street race is just and, the and the I don't beginning. know that count. Yeah, like oh, the very okay. first like something, and then um, I'm trying to think if there's a way I can discuss this more. But there's this guy who's I think he's the nephew of a friend of her father's. Okay. who's sort of, like, following her around to protect her. And there, they have this weird thing where she's like, I don't need or want protection. He's like, well, I don't want to be protecting you, but I'm here because I apparently need something to keep me busy, according to... And there's this whole backstory where... According um, to who? His well, uncle? he's coming from a tragic situation where, like, his family got murdered? Like, some, <laughs> yeah. There's some battle thing... That's how it starts. It starts with this prologue from his point of view with mysterious creatures attacking his home. And he ends up in London Uh with his, I I think, uncle, if I remember correctly. But he's filled with all this leftover rage from his home getting demolished. And it's kind of like a, both to keep him busy and also to try and keep her safe, it's like Go follow her around and make sure she's okay. <laughs> because she's left on her own. Right. And they are in the know about why her dad got... Wow. So basically she's being left out of the loop a right. lot. That sounds like fun. And they're trying to keep her protected somehow without filling her in, which goes as well as it always does. Of course. Um, So it was a lot of interesting stuff. There was a big plot twist and reveal in the middle that I really liked because I didn't expect it and it added an interesting dynamic to their relationship. Oh, that's cool. But I didn't love the writing. Mm. I thought all the characters kind of had the personalities of rocks. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Say what you really think. <laughs> I don't want to you're not. Mean... It, you're not obligated I know. to love everything you read.
1: It um, sounds like an interesting
0: book. It sounds like... There are a lot of really good things about it. There were some, like, plot leaps that happened that felt kind of, especially at the end, that on the micro level were not is Was it the believable? author's first book for the debut? I... Yes, okay it looks like it. And the thing I re- like I'm rereading my review to remember how I felt about this and why Ari the love interest whenever he came on the page, it was one of those things where it was very obvious from page one that he was a love interest because every time he showed up on the page, he'd be described with fiery amber <laughs> honey or coppery eyes or skin. Wait eyes and skin. Yes. Some weird. combination of those okay. things. Fiery skin. <laughs> <it>. That's <laughs> no, more no, likely to be his eyes.
1: But coppery eyes
0: and skin came up a lot. No, amber amber eyes and skin came up a lot. <laughs> lot. I made a joke. It was not a great joke, but <laughs> I made one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just like that's a weird descriptor for skin. And I was like you're <laughs> but not wrong, it is. but literally that would be more fun. Well, um, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, but so it also sounds like there might be enough good things that, like, perhaps her later books will be better. Yeah. So apparently, there was a sequel. I'm not inclined no. to go read the sequel. If you didn't have... like the first one, there's no point. But like, she possibly, probably, she, stuff. yes, exactly. She releases more stuff. I would be willing to dabbling. Also the world sounds really cool. I know the world is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and if it is that fully developed with yes. the world building, then maybe her next books yes. will just be like more in that world yep. or something. So if you have more patience for some of that other stuff than I do, I do recommend it, I guess. Uh, but I got really like exhausted it. by it. <laughs> but it did I think it went pretty fast. <laughs> More importantly, I finally got to Stealing Thunder and Gifting Firebys and right. avoided. I forgot about that. Yay. They were as incredible as promised. So good. Um, We've talked about those in the past, right? We've yeah, in we introduced the plot, like the overarching plot, I think, of the first one. Yeah. I will say that was a unique one in that I did end up liking the second one I think significantly more than really the first one. yeah that's I love that's fascinating. So, so to recap, the first one the premise is that the main character is a trans girl who runs away from home and this is transitions. This is the first set one set in like a, a like secondary pseudo based on India. India. Yeah. The Mughal Empire I think yeah. is set And... She was born the crown prince of this mm. empire, and so she runs away, she transitions, she has these great found family things Yeah, around, and then she meets the prince of this other kingdom, and they fall in love, and they're flying dragons, Yay. and it's pretty great. And then the second one, you can probably recap better than I can. Yeah, so once we've had her like preliminary happy ever after from the first one, she's gained enough of a reputation from the events in the first book that... She is established as, like, the governor of this. Oh, right. What her ends up being the like reject town in the middle of his, on the edge of his empire, right. and her dad's empire. Yeah. She's like. Her dad kind of puts her to work. Puts her to work, <laughs> and then not lovingly, though not lovingly. So it starts as this. Oh, my father finally like believes I can do a thing. It turns out it's more of a. I don't know what else to do with this town. It's in this very precarious position. It's about to be overrun by my enemies. Either you with your brilliance will figure out how to not or, have that happen. it won't or, get any worse for me. You just won't be a problem for me oh anymore. Oh my god. So that's, that's so messed up. Yep. So, um, So that's kind of how the second one starts. And then a whole bunch of things go wrong. And then in true... I forget her name. Fashion. <laughs> it's worth looking at. Yes. <laughs> keep wanting to call her because that's the author. Oh, I think, but... oh, no, wait. You're right. That is the author. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Razia is her name. Oh. R-A-C-I-A. Oh, okay. It makes more sense when I can picture the letters. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, in true Razia fashion... Right. Politically finagles her way through the whole situation. Slash, kicks ass. Slash, yes. flies for dragons around. Slash, like just to, truly just crushes things at Everyone. every every opportunity. Like even when things are going horribly wrong. And I thought horribly wrong. Some of the stuff in the first book was almost. I don't want to say predictable. I mean, the first book wasn't. Necessary, like it was predictable on a certain level, and that it was the beginning of an adventure, yes, and it was an adventure we've seen before, but mm. with this twist of her being a trans woman, yes, and with some of the like some of the dynamics with her, um, the Hajurda group that she's a part of, Hujur, I think it's called the pronunciation is Hajurda, okay. at least good. according to the back of the book. Oh, good, I think, okay. is what it's I'm been going now it, up, so I haven't fine. heard it spoken aloud. But from what I remember, future Gabby here. Past Gabby, technically remembered correctly, the back of the book does say Hijurda, but I did some Googling and it seems like the actual pronunciation may be closer to something like Hydra. That's my very white Californian attempt, and hopefully that is close. It's the Hijurda, which is the term for trans women in this both in right. actual It's like it's a specific kind of trans woman and they live a certain right. way but I don't I don't know It's like a specific details. community yeah. yeah so the the additional aspect of like how her not mom but mom mm-hmm. kind of like that some of that stuff was really interesting I didn't see the appeal of Arjun her love interest her love interest I was like I mean you go girl yeah. but <laughs> I don't See? She was yeah. way more interesting than he <laughs> yes, was. Yes. Yeah. Which, like, I'd rather that than mm-hmm. the reverse. Than the opposite. So, but, like, no wild complaints. Just, like, if I'm comparing the two, mm-hmm. probably helped everything, like, the first one established everything yeah. and the dynamics and the stuff. The first one and was then, really solid with all yeah. that stuff. And the way the overarching arc with horrible what's-his-face, that that one, her cousin yeah, or her something. Yeah, horrible, gross cousin. Horrific yeah. guy. But very satisfying. Yes. yes. Especially with his mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I lost my shit at that scene. This whole... That was the best scene in both books. I nearly, like, <laughs> screamed in triumph. I was like... Yes! <laughs> so good. Now oh. I just want to reread it. His and mother is so horrible. So? So satisfying. So oh. satisfying. Anyway. <laughs> highly recommend those. <laughs> Will be so... I need to pick those up during book crawl. Very important that I have yes, those so I can yes, reread them. Yes, absolutely. Times. And then we both read... Pawn, Knight, and Queen by, by Karen, Karen Lynch. Lynch. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit in previous episodes about Pawn right. and how it was kind of like all the things you like about urban fantasy, bounty hunting, fairy, your parents right. went on a hunting trip and didn't come back, tropes. My favorite thing is still that like, I got to explain to you <laughs> that supernatural joke. Dad's on a hunting trip and he hasn't been home in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just making it left and right probably yes. yeah, inappropriately. It's but <laughs> It's supernatural, so it's all inappropriate. Yay! <laughs> so the first one was really enjoyable. Because and like supernatural, of... to interrupt, I do mean the show, not like... The and, concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> supernatural. It's a show that finally ended recently. <laughs> <really. laughs> finally ended. With so much Discourse. So much. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) um, And I think for both of us, Pong kind of reminded us of all the things that we liked about when you're first breaking into that genre. Yeah. A lot of, like, tropes, but done well. But, like, deliberately feminist. Mm -hmm. Yep. And And had a friend. She had this big thing. Yeah, she had this best friend who was, like, a real character Mm -hmm. who she called her friend to, like, back her up instead of the love interest, which was amazing. Yep. (laughs) Her friend was, like, a fully formed person. Yes. And she had a brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was just, like, she was a real... There was a family. Yeah. It was very much an urban fantasy story and not an urban fantasy story, or not a paranormal romance disguised as urban fantasy. Right. If we're talking. Yeah. Genre-label. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) So that was Pawn, and then I think we both decided that as the books progressed because you you lost a lot of the things that made pawn so great yeah and it didn't necessarily get bad but it just like a noticeable drop in yeah quality as it went like violet went off to her friend violet goes off to be a hollywood star on the other side of the country so she's not even really in the third book she shows up i'm specifically the third book I had trouble getting through, mm-hmm. because, like, the second book was, like, fine or whatever, but then the third book starts so boring. Yeah. <laughs> the first, like, 60 pages, there was zero narrative yep. tension at all. And she they had was, a birthday party. And they were being dumb. Like, the romantic yes. issue there were was, like, meaningless. Yes. They, like, manufactured this... Separation separation sort of? and no communication, and then like hand waved it all away. After exactly. The yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I do. I wish I had just quit after the first one, frankly. I'm okay having read them all, especially since the first one ends with like that cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I, fi- I got all that resolution. Right. And, got the... and you know what? The final scene in the last book was really good. It had yeah. a very solid ending. Yes. Which. I wasn't expecting right. from the rest of the book. I mean, like, it was a solid ending for any book. But, like, to come back from a meh sort of story, yeah. is I appreciated that yes. much at least. So it was disappointing to see all the things that were really awesome about the first book, kind of, like, because, like, her family becomes less involved. Right. Her friend becomes less involved. She's not bounty hunting, right. really, in the third book. She's doing other Magic Quest stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, but apparently, Karen Lynch also wrote a vampire series that my I think my friend Katie said was better. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Either Katie or I think Katie and Laura oh. both read that in one of them. I will yeah. let you read that one and let <laughs> me know. We'll see if when I ever get around to that. Yeah. But um, I might check in with whoever the friend was and find out uh, <laughs> how don't it remember? ended. Well, because I know Katie and Laura have both read it, or okay. have both read pa- the Pawn series. I think mm-hmm. it's Katie who went on to read the Vampire her stuff. Vampire her stuff. The first of which I think is called Relentless. Um, yeah, that's that's for those right. who care. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. Yes, yeah. and then I read a translation of the Inferno by Dante. Right. You know how to say allegory? Allegory. <laughs> Uh, Translated by Mary Jo Bang. Oh, really? Yes. I went out of my way. I think I mentioned this. To find a woman translator? Yes. I went out of my way to find a woman translator. It is a relatively recent translation. I think it was 2006 or 2007. Okay. And this was for my family's book club. This was my older brother's pick. And I think I'm the only one in my family who's read it before. Really? Yes. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. But even I had like kind of forgotten a lot of yeah. You know, there's a lot that ha- it's a big yeah. Book. It's a big <laughs> book. It has a lot of layers. Yes. But um, and her translation was actually very fascinating. I'm I'm really interested in how different translations fall out. I think that's a really yeah. fascinating area of study. And she was tried to make and had a very interesting introduction about it. First of all, she went with full poetry. Oh, really? Um, Okay. mm -hmm. I don't know how, not knowing a whole lot about poetic structure, I don't know if she stuck to, like, the poetic structure of the original or if she just kind of did her own thing. But the format is definitely poetry. And then very purposefully made modern references to try and help the reader capture how reading the Infernal would have felt having read it in that time period. Yeah. Because that book talks about, like, quote-unquote modern-day celebrities. Yes. Like, like his whole thing is he runs into contemporaries in different circles of hell to yep. comment on why they ended up in those circles of hell. Including a pope. Yes, <laughs> including a pope. And apparently that was a big yeah. deal at the time. I think at one point people were talking about excommunication, which he would not have actually enjoyed. As much <laughs> as, much, as much fun as he poked at right. these people. Like, it... So that was super interesting. I personally think that for the Inferno, that's very challenging because she so she still kept all of the people and the names, and so it was well annotated. So it had like here's who this person was and why Dante is bringing up this person. Um, here's all the political underpinnings of what he's talking about. Yeah, so that was a plus. I think the choices to include some of this modern lingo it like th- threw me off a bit. Because you have these conversations with 1500s contemporary... 1400s contemporary? Or 1200s? I think it's 1400s. Because it's the, the Medici's. Right. I think it's the 14s. So, has all these conversations with these contemporaries and these old political issues and religious issues, and then all of a sudden we'll throw in modern lingo about it? And... I feel like if you're going to do a modern spin on the Inferno, it's either go 100% right. and have a modern person with modern contemporary... Like, that would be... Wouldn't that be fascinating? That would be so interesting. With, like, modern day yep. people. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I would read the shit out of that. Me too! <laughs> so, like, either go all the way. Right. Or stick to... The less anachronistic, yes. and keep all your notes. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Either like be heavily annotated, explain every all the nuance and stuff, mm-hmm. or throw it all into the wind. Whee! <laughs> but for trying to walk this line, I think she did a very good job. So yes. I do recommend that. Tr- and the artist, uh, I'm gonna, I Oh, that. it had illustrations. It had illustrations, that's and the illustrations cool. were incredible. Henrik, or Henrik. Drescher is the artist. Oh, wow. Henrik Drescher. So, if you do, or if you're interested in this particular translation, I highly recommend a hard copy. I don't even know that there isn't a hard copy, but right. go get it for the art. And now that you've read The Inferno, mm-hmm. you should absolutely read Gwenda Bonds, Not Your Average Hot Guy. Oh, well. Because they go to hell a lot. Well, apparently, now I can't until the. You take it back, read both, and then give me both. Because you just got the sequel. I did just get the sequel. And I figured you weren't going to get to it. But, like... Well, I probably won't. But I especially will try not to, if I know there's a sequel incoming, but I won't get it until you... Okay, fine. We'll bring it back, back to me <laughs> next time I see you. Okay. Um, but, yes, that sounds fine. We will schedule our book reading. Yay! It'll make it, it'll, we'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. And then the most important... Fun thing I read was "Light from Uncommon Stars." That's the one. Aoki Reika Aoki. That's the one I thought you were talking about. The first book you mentioned under the. Oh, the light at the bottom of the Note. Yeah, and I think that actually just won an award. I sure hope so. I think it just won like a British science fiction. It deserves all of the awards. It's actually an interesting one to bring up. Now that I'm thinking about it, we just had a conversation about genre stigma that will show up in a bonus episode, and we talked about how sometimes when you're reading books and someone asks you what you're reading, and you kind of have to make the decision how much to share with a stranger or even someone you know, And if you have enough spoons, you get kind of... I get kind of defiant about it. And I'm like, I will explain exactly what I'm reading. I dare you to have I'm... a problem with it. <laughs> and that's what I was the whole time I was reading Light from Uncommon Stars. Is I think so- someone asked me what I was reading at the moment. And I was like, I'm reading a book about a transgender runaway who ends up being the violin like prodigy of the queen of hell and gets... Adopted by her, and there's a donut lady that the Queen of Hell falls in love with, <laughs> who's actually an alien from another planet. Yes! And there are so many layers to this, and I dare you to have a problem with the fact that I'm reading it! <laughs> okay, and I just want to mention here that it is a Hugo ne- finalist, Woo! a Indie Next Pick, a New York Public Library Top 10 book, a Kirkus Best book, a Barnes & Noble Best book, an Alex Award winner and a Stonewall Book Award winner. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, I mean, everything I've heard about this book is just people equally excited as you are. It was incredible. <laughs> Good Omens meets the long way to a small, angry planet. Having read it now, like, I have not read a long way to a small, angry planet. Yet. So I can't, yeah, yet. I <laughs> uh, so cannot speak to how it compares to that. Would not compare it to Good Omens. Okay. I don't think. It's been a while since I've read Good Omens. Oh, I haven't read it. But, like, I assume they, they compared it to the show because it's a little more contemporaneous. Right. Um, I mean, I guess in the terms of, like, there is a woman involved, Shizuka, who has made a Faustian bargain with a demon mm-hmm. to save her own soul. Mm-hmm. She's giving them seven souls of violent prodigy. Jeez. Right. So I guess in the terms that there is an associate of hell who is a main character, like? Yeah, I don't know. I, I will have to read it and find yes. it out. So that was an incredible read. Very emotional. She alternates between different points of view. So we have this trans girl runaway, mm-hmm. coming from an abusive home, ends up in an abusive situation with a friend, quote unquote unexpectedly, and then is, like, essentially homeless on the street until Shizuka picks her up because she's playing violin in the park. Oh, man. And Shizuka's like, you're the one who's going to be the seventh. And gets adopted, and it's adorable. But so some of that backstory that isn't so back because it's happening on page is very rough and Uh very sad, very timely. (laughs) And then there's Shizuka, who has this... Faustian bargain going on with this horrible demon dude and that the details of that are revealed layer by layer throughout the book you get all this really fascinating commentary both on being a queer youth mm-hmm. the Asian American community in LA and then you have this donut lady, Lantran, who's an alien from... I don't know, the Intergalactic Empire? I forget what they call the actual empire they're from, but she's basically a refugee. Like, she... Her empire has fallen victim to what they call the End Plague. Oh, my God. Plague book! Uh, Which is actually more of a... What's the word? Almost, like, nihilistic sense of doom that a society as a whole... Every society, every civilization reaches at some point. Oh, my God! This whole idea of, like... This is it! Every civilization before ours has always eventually been doomed and fallen apart and been destroyed one way or another. And then it's like, it's like almost as every civilization as a whole realizes their own mortality as a civilization, they end up, like, tearing each other apart. And it manifests in very different ways, but they call it the end plague. Oh my god. And so her empire started going kind of nuts about being an empire and taking things over, and she kind of, like pieced out with her family on a pretense of she was like there's this very interesting uh, stellar activity like some gamma ray radiation show thing that will hit this planet at this time and if no I measure it set up a stargate then other people can come tour it when that happens I'm going to take my family and do that okay bye and is basically a refugee from this war going on and she has her kids and her aunt are with her so it's an exploration of Family family, and found family, and you got the fashion bargains, and intergalactic end plagues, oh, boy. and donuts, and <laughs> contemporary queer and Asian American issues, and violins and music, and the oh, power oh of music, God. and oh, what lovely. makes humans... <gasps> human, Aww. and there's this very interesting disconnect as Shizuka and Lantern are falling in love, like, of what is important, because Lantern has this, is confused by this obsession that humans have with, like, music and games and things, and she's like, none of that is important. Things like the end play are important, and none of you little humans seem to care, so it's this very interesting, like, learning curve for her as she's kind of, because they're so much more advanced, so it's kind of like, right, and then Shizuka has these very interesting, not never explicitly detailed like powers from being, this really kick-ass right. Agent of um, Hell. Agent of Pal. Um, so just so much going on. It's so interesting, so many like different things somehow get thrown together and work really well. There's a really fascinating side plot, I guess, or side I don't know. Where um, there are these violin makers slash repair, this mm-hmm. family of Matthias, I think, is their name. And now it's just the last woman in the line of Matthias. And it was a very, like, male profession. Like, the men pass it down. And so when she was little, it used to be this thing that, like, her grandfather and her father were, like, teaching her brothers. Or trying to teach her brothers, but her brothers had no interest. And she had, like the touch yes. but they wouldn't teach her because she was a girl <gasps> so now she's kind of grown up with these learned biases and doesn't think she's worthy of taking on the family name so she's kind of just holding the fort until one of her brothers or her son will step up and then you know Shizuka sweeps in and is like you're gonna repair this violin thank you bye <laughs> and she's like Can't I can't do this? But I also can't say no. She's the queen of hell. I don't. And so there's this very (laughs) interesting sidebar of her learning to step into this role, learning all this family history that, and learning that her father and her grandfather were not perfect. And the end all be all of that's so. Anyway, there's so many interesting things going on in this book, and I can't wait to read it. Very consumable, like it was like a page or two of. Like scene at a time. And then either the perspective would change or they'd just switch scenes or switch characters. So it's all very fast paced. Yes, it's very fast paced. Made me cry. Did Made it? me want to play oboe again. Oh. It's just so beautiful. It was, it was like reading a song. That's amazing. And I can't handle it. <laughs> and I want more from her. I'm so interested to see what else she comes up with. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what you think. I can't wait. It's one of the most interesting different things I have read in a very long time slash ever. And I can see the challenge trying to bill it as X meets Y, because it isn't really any two things. things. Yeah. But yes, everyone should read that. And now I'm reading *Mongrels* by Stephen Graham <laughs> Jones. <laughs> Tell me what you think of *Mongrels*. So far, I'm like halfway through. Should we recap it? *Mongrels* is sort of a coming-of-age story for this kid who is from a family of werewolves, but doesn't know if he is a werewolf. And his mother died when he was born because he has this, what's called a dew claw, on his forearm. And you can find that on dogs. It's like the toe that migrated upward. And so when a supposed werewolf is born to a human mother, the dewclaw rips him open from the inside and she dies. And so this kid has a dewclaw, but he hasn't changed. and He can't change. And he's so many years late changing that he is just desperately afraid that he's going to be human surrounded by his entire family of werewolves. His grandfather dies in the beginning, and then it's him and his aunt and his uncle, his mother's siblings. They were triplets. And they, they're they subsistence survivors. Mm-hmm. They work under the table for really shitty jobs. They live in just shacks. Yep. Change houses and cities on a dime. And it's it's about him growing up. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Each It's interesting because it alternates chapters and it'll be like one long chapter that's like him gradually growing up. Mm-hmm. So it's like one important wearable thing that happened when he was this age and Eight. then yeah. up a year, like up, not necessarily a year at a time, but like each of those long, those long chapters progress linearly. Yeah. And so you see him growing up, you see him... Idolizing his uncle and wanting so badly to be a werewolf, and then his more, somewhat more level-headed, reasonable aunt who doesn't actually really want him to be a werewolf, right. and would she- almost rather he be human, be able to live like a normal, non-violent life. Yes, and so that's sort a very of interesting... like a, if I couldn't get out, then I hope you would yeah. do that sort of thing. So very interesting family. So there are those long chapters, and the I love the structure how it's interspersed with these like two three page chapters, and those are always from when he's younger, like eight or nine, and those are always like very cute, very short, like almost snapshots yes. of a werewolf thing. Yeah, like his uncle or aunt teaching him these or telling him these stories about right. what being a werewolf is like, what it's about. Because they're trying to prepare him in case he does. Right. But they don't know if it'll actually ever yeah. come to that. And and, and and so it's sort of like sharing their culture of being werewolves with him mm-hmm. without knowing if he will actually be part of that yeah. at all. But, like, the first of those vignettes, he's, like, eight or something, and it's Halloween, and he's dressed up as a vampire. And that part of the narrative is told as if, like, the vampire is the main Yeah, character. that's how the, each of those are. Yeah. So, like when he. The vampire, the journalist. The, yeah, the journalist, yeah. the, the, the biologist. Right. So, something that interests him from his human life is brought into this portrayal of werewolf life. It's, yeah. And the it's... ending will destroy you. Oh, cool. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm trying to brace for this. It is very violent it is yeah it's a little violent gross yes there's some gross stuff lots of gross stuff every chapter that involves a new like we're all thinking like how gross can we make this very specific detail and it's (laughs) as gross as possible (laughs) and it's so well written like i don't hate it (laughs) i do love it yes good but it's real gross. But it's real gross <laughs> and very gratuitously violent. And I find the uncle, I find the uncle very frustrating just from a... Yeah. I mean, how far Exhausting are testosterone yeah. perspective. He can not Making dumb boy decisions. He and makes like a lot of dumb boy so decisions. So many dumb boy decisions. And, like, ropes, actively ropes the kid into, like, yep. as an accessory to the dumb. Yep. Cause I mean, like he's like, but I mean, what 18? Yeah, like he is. A he's kid the cool too. uncle. He, this kid worships. Yes, uncle. Darren, right? Mm-hmm, Darren and um, Libby, and they're just like I feel like they're just constantly dancing this edge of it. Yeah, they are because they, they in multiple ways, like either very violent, go hungry, gruesome death, or yeah. very slow, yeah. poverty-driven. Yeah, it's. It's an incredible book. Yeah. Also, when I wrote a like a five star real short Goodreads review, the author liked it and I just about died. <laughs> Cause I'd I'd been looking again for my thesis yeah. for like non-white werewolves. Right. And someone had like tagged him on Twitter to be like, I think his book is um, and then he found it. me at Goodreads. Oh, <laughs> I can see you losing your kid's mind after. Did. so yeah so it's very good like again only halfway done but I do recommend it like I I would never have picked it up if you hadn't given right. it to me but I'm glad you did. yeah and it took what six years but like you're getting there yeah. <laughs> well that's because you made the mistake of buying me a copy or convincing me to buy myself a copy so it's not
1: on oh, the smack shelf.
0: This was before there was a smack shelf. This was before there was a smack shelf. But I do have an order of priority when it comes to reading my books. And it goes pretty much like library books, borrowed, borrowed books. books, and then my See, books. I didn't know. So I almost never read my own books. The only reason I'm reading it now is because our friend Laura read it. And So, so now, now I'm on a text only... chain where I'm the only <laughs> one who hasn't read it. And now I have to read it. Oh. Too bad. It's not long, though. No, but, and it's very, like... Yeah, it it moves. Consumably, yeah. I think I've used that to describe so many books now, but it That's is very okay. consumable. It moves fast. It's... And it, it's... I know in our, our genre stigma episode, I talked about this a little, about okay. how, like, it was one of the first or beginning of all the horror books that I've read in the last, like, ten years, post-school. And, and at the time, I was, like, no, it's definitely literary horror. And it is, but it's also, like, it's Whatever that horror. Means. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, if you have a friend who won't read regular horror and is sort it's of a, a gate. <laughs> it's a gateway. <laughs> bus. It is. It's a gateway horror, but. So those are all my recent reads. Anything else you want to mention? Well, I've actually been reading, not reading. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. Interesting. I interesting. Downloaded you Usually find those too distracting. I do. Life is too distracting. Generally. To do yeah. Both at the same but time. I have I have found a couple of activities that are rote enough. Okay. Where like it takes forever to get through if I have to actually pay attention to it. Right. So I've started listening to stuff while I'm doing those in order to get through them. Oh. Um, and this started because Impact Winter Oh yeah, yeah. Impact Winter is one of those Audible originals. It's it's not even an audiobook. It's more of a radio play. <laughs> it's got. It sounds awesome. It like it's post apocalyptic vampires, which is usually not my jam. I am very over apocalypse. Yes. stuff. and even like vampires, I'm sort of off on right now. <laughs> I go on and off on vampires. <laughs> Oh, and the author is Travis Beecham. It's a full cast of voice actors. There are sound effects. There are multiple times, even when I didn't have, like, noise-canceling headphones on, where, like, a door would open and I'd turn around and look. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's really... And, I mean, like, the story... Did you sleep at all while you were reading? I did not listen to it before bed. so smart. Yeah. Yeah, don't we listen to me. Okay. And it it was just super immersive. The plot wasn't like that unexpected, <laughs> but it was so well produced that I didn't care. Hmm. Yeah. And it was free. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the bottom line here. I is downloaded it, it because it was free. Is it still free? I think so. I think it's one of those perma free things. Oh, well then. Yeah. Definitely recommend it if you somehow have an Audible account. Oh, you need an Audible account. Yes. Trend. It's one of those exclusive, exclusive things. Do
1: you need um, to have, like,
0: actively paying for no. an Audible account? No. Okay, just open. have a... Yeah. I mean, like, when you open an Audible account, they want you to subscribe, but you don't have to. Well, yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, yeah. And so after that, I was just starving for something that was, like, as equally good. And I found this other book that's, like, an urban fantasy through Chirp which is, like, right. the book bub of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And they had, it had been produced by this company called Graphic Audio, where they also do, like, sound effects and mm-hmm. multiple narrators and all that stuff. So I got that for, like, $2. And yeah. I listened to that, and it was, like, five hours, and I jammed through it in, like, two days. And I was like, it's a 10-book series! What is I was got it? time to burn! The first one is called Immune, I believe. Okay. No, the second one's Immune. The first one is Priceless. And they're by Shannon Mayer. And you've just been going through those? Yes. I completely overdosed on them. Oops. So, let's see. The, it's the Riley Adamson series. The first one is called Priceless. The author is Shannon Mayer. And they're these two main narrators that they go back and forth mm-hmm. in. And it's, like, very standard urban fantasy fair. The main character is a tracker. So, like, if you give her a... F- Picture and a name, she can find anyone in the world Ooh. except for her long lost dead sister. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. And wait, so she long lost or she she's dead? she's both sort of. Mm. <laughs> and then I mean, this is kind of a spoiler. No, no? unless I, don't know. I mean, like she she can't track people over large bodies of water. Mm. So she can track you if you're dead, but she can't track you if you're in Europe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And then like the, the guy, the love interest is this FBI agent who's convinced she killed her sister ten years ago, blah blah blah. They're not like I mean they're very they're very popcorn yay, um, love some popcorn. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's been good. And so I OD'd a little bit. Cool. I listened to like five or six of them in like a week, and now I'm like an hour into the sixth one, and can't bring myself to like, listen to them anymore. <laughs> oh, no, partially because like they're dropping enough like foreshadowing hints of someone major who's gonna oh, die. No, and I really like them. Oh no, I know. And I I am one hundred percent convinced of what's gonna happen. Will they be permanently dead? Yes. Perma dead. Yes. Yes. I'm not looking forward to it, and I'm sure it's gonna be this whole like. Go down, saving everybody else, blah blah blah, no. and like no. a couple others went on sale on Chirp, so I bought them, <laughs> and now I have, to, like, I have to. Yeah, <laughs> so I will get through them eventually. Well, thanks for vetting those. Yeah, I mean, like they're time killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first one was very cheap, and then I went and found the rest through this company, Graphic Audio. And I sort of feel like anyone who does audiobooks and isn't Audible is worth supporting. It's true. <laughs> so, like... It didn't seem like a bad investment. No. <laughs> Even though, I will say, the production quality is miles behind Impact Winter. That was just incredible. Sometimes I know. That's what happens when you're, like, the richest company yeah. in the world. Yeah. I know. So, I, I've been reading a lot of, or listening to a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I just finished Hunt the Stars by Jessie Um, Which is the first book in her second trilogy. She does science fiction romance. Yay! And, frankly, I mean, like, I really enjoyed her Consortium Rebellion yeah, trilogy. trilogy. TBR. Yeah, those like, are fun. Infinite TBR. No way! <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoyed those. I think those are the first, like science fiction books i'd read in a while and so it was like a very lovely like reintroduction Mm. probably a little bit of a palate cleanser oh absolutely (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i i discovered them late enough that like the first two were out and i didn't have to wait too long for the third one so which is always nice but the hunt the stars totally different world i think those just started coming out yes well no they, they the second one is due out in like july Okay, but still, like, yeah, you have to wait and they, stand a, they stand alone really well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So they're linked stories, but, like, it's the same, like, group of characters. Gotcha. And I'm really looking forward to the second one. Bye. And that's and got also, thrown on my smack shelf now. Yes. So, Reptos 30-something, 30 or 38, yeah. 9, question mark. Something like that. i someday. But what I really liked about Hunt the Stars in comparison to her previous books is that, like, there's far less action, but there's more emotional tension. Ooh. And the action that is there is higher risk okay. than just, like, action-packed story. Sounds good. Yeah, it was it was really satisfying. She's clearly, like, learned how to pull a story together. It's great. And I think that's pretty much all I've read that's, like, worth recommending. Okay. <laughs> what are you reading now? Right now, I'm in the middle of I've got one of those audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. The six one that you're yes. an hour into. <laughs> yes, I'll get to it. And I'm rereading the Back Eye, the Ann Carson translation that we talked about Yay. in the previous episode, because I'm still working on that story. Yay! And you just got another translation today, right? Yes, I got the Oxford translation because there's a phrasing in the Ann Carson one. She does a very like modern translation. Mm-hmm. It's like modern poetry, yeah. whereas the Oxford one is very, like, the stuff I read in college. (laughs) But there's a... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Classic, classical translations yeah. Oh. Um, (laughs) Twiddle my mustache. Yeah, right? There's a phrasing in the Ann Carson one that I... I need, like, a more traditional translation to look at and figure out, like, what she's actually talking about. So I'm looking forward to that. I am reading... Mr. Wrong Number, I'm about halfway through. Super excellent popcorn. Yay! Delicious popcorn. That one's by Lynn Painter. Yes. I'm looking forward to that if you're enjoying it's it. It's an ebook.
1: Sorry. Dang, Dang. <laughs> it! Yeah, I I was weird. so sure you had a
0: hard copy of that oh, one. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'll never read it. Oh, now. no. It's not like book crawl isn't next week Shh. or something. Two weeks. <laughs> what else am I reading? I don't even know. Yeah, that's mostly it. Okay. So I guess that means we're all caught up. And the only other thing, speaking of book crawl, (laughs) I accidentally did some pre-gaming for book crawl. So for those who don't remember from what I'm sure we've talked about this before, book crawl is, I don't know if it's, so Independent Bookstore Day is more universal. It's last Saturday in April. And the San Diego. San Diego actually has quite an extensive system of independent mm-hmm. bookstores. So a bunch of them get together every year, and they do what's called a independent bookstore crawl, which we abbreviate to book crawl. Ew. Yes. And I mean, it's it's the same idea as a pub crawl or a bar crawl or whatever. You but go, better. Yes. <laughs> less less alcohol poisoning. More thing. expensive. Is it? Is it? I don't know oh, I've never it been it. on a pub crawl. No, so, are quite expensive. Okay. <laughs> you end up buying each other drinks. Okay. Okay. So you go around to each of these bookstores. You spend a minimum of five dollars, and they stamp this thing called a passport, which is basically just like a piece of paper they hand you. And once you <laughs> a get magical piece, that's of magical. Paper. <laughs> and once you get a certain number of stamps, you get one award. If you get like. Three more stores, and you get this other thing award. If you go to all 11 stores, you get, like, a 3D-printed trophy or oh, something. Yeah. At one point, there is an enamel pin, and those are always adorable. Tote bags. Tote bags. Mostly, it's an Swag. excuse to go, like, look at books yes. and buy books mm-hmm. and smell books. So. Yep. Just soak in the vibes. <laughs> so that is, this is the last weekend in April, and up until, for the last few months, the idea has been to not buy books... <laughs> In anticipation of buying many books at Book Crawl. And then I made the mistake of going to Mysterious Galaxy last weekend with my friend Megan. How many did you get? Two. Oh, that's not bad. Two hard covers. That's kind of a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one of them was Scorpica by G.R. McAllister, which sounds in- is that the one where Curl are born? Oh, man. And the world is like. Five queendoms. Yeah. And it has a map in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maps. So I'm going to double-check the e- summary. Yeah, and then also, all of a sudden, girls aren't being born. But they're they're slash matriarchal. Mm-hmm. And they're at peace, but then the peace is shattered when all the girls stop being born. Right. The drought of girls... And then there's all these and so there's political like a, and personal There's a whole generation where girls yes. are not born. So there's this, like, cast of characters. There's a warrior queen, a healer, another queen <laughs> who's using <laughs> dark magic. A <laughs> five of queens. <laughs> um, a near immortal sorcerer, demigod. That sounds awesome. It sounds awesome! And we read, like, the first, like, page or two, and we were like, oh, yeah, we need. <laughs> yeah. this is gonna be good <laughs> and then I saw I've seen this book on the shelf many times now it's So This Is Ever After by F.T. Lukens whoever the artist is on both this one and their previous one In Deeper Waters must be the same artist it's delightful cover this was In Deeper Waters I remember I bought this purely based on the cover vibes yeah. alone Carry on meets Arthurian legend. <laughs> oh my god. And I've been putting off because someone was like, no, I will not buy another this looks I already bought another one by then called The Rules and Regulations for Mediating Myths and Magic. Oh my god. Aren't you glad that like we scrapped our original <laughs> idea for this podcast and like Try not to buy one? <laughs> oh boy. And It would be so hard if we we actually tried not to (laughs) buy So hard. So hard. So, and then In Deeper Waters came out, which has a gorgeous cover and was billed as the Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue meets Pirates of the Caribbean. What? And I was like... That sounds amazing. <clears throat> and then there's this, so this is Ever After, which is like fairy tale vibes with carry on meets Arthur. And then we, and I was, I've been putting off getting that one because I was like, how stupid is it to get the third book of an author I haven't even read once? I already own two of their books. Those covers are really pretty though. They're so pretty, they're very colorful. And I was like, you shouldn't do this until you know that you will even like their writing. And then Megan was like, just read the first few pages. And I started reading <laughs> the first few pages, and it is adorable, stupid nonsense, and I love it so much, so I bought it. It's truly like two best friends are in love with each other and are complete morons about it. And that is like <laughs> your cat, My myth. cat. Myth. <laughs> That does sound really funny. Uh, he has, like, some curse on him and he, that he, like, needs to get married or something before some deadline. And his friend is, like, try dating all of our mutual friends. And is like, going through, like, they're, like, trying to, like, see if they Gosh. can make something work. And these two morons are, like, and all their friends are, like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, like... Yes! <laughs> so, as you can see, I had to purchase it. Obviously. Obviously. Um, and then obviously, as you know, Bookshop had their... 20% off. Yep. yep. And so I got to the D.F.Z. Trilogy by Rachel <gasps> Aaron. Did you really? Yes, of, co- of course I did! Oh. I told you it was Dragon Clock. So, this hasn't come up on the podcast before, and I don't know how. Because it had been a year and a half. But the first summer during the pandemic, 2020. God, we were so unhappy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I bought this independently published book called Nice Dragons Finished Last. And I was trying to like support Mysterious Galaxy, and I opened it and I was like, "Oh, the margins are too small. This is clearly self-published." And like, oh, "Okay, I paid enough, I'll just get it or get through it." And it grew on me really fast. Oh, it was so... Su- I'm, like, over oh, the corner losing my mind. <laughs> I went rabid for these. We both did. They got increasingly... Not that, like, the first one was bad. No. But, like, it was designed to draw you in. It's a regular, like, 300-page book, and then the next three books are five to 600 pages, and it's worth every moment. <laughs> the stakes get more... Somehow, it's, it's a masterclass like, class oh. in stakes. This is as bad as it can get. And then the next book is always like, you were incorrect. (laughs) It can get much worse. And the whole idea is that you win with kindness. Yes. By not killing off your enemies and bringing people together. And Gabby's going to lose her mind. She's going to punch me. She's so excited.
1: It was one of my favorite
0: reads of all time. Yeah, I mean it's definitely out there. They're such a wonderful, positive, hopeful books. Great characters, great villains, excellent cast. Just and and the structure of everything is impeccable. Mm-hmm. I actually went the the author of these. The first one is called Nice Dragons. Finished last, and I don't know if the series has a name because we just call them the Nice Dragon books. Yes, I'm sure they're They're by Rachel Aaron mm-hmm. and. This is like her third series of books. I and have her other Eli you Mont- have her? yeah Press which got, I got haven't read yet. Heart Strikers. Duh. Heartstrikers. Oh, but they're the, the, the family. family. <laughs> the Heart Striker Dragons. <laughs> but really they're just the nice dragon books. And then Dragon Books <laughs> And I read her original trilogy that she had actually traditionally published with Orbit huh. and it was not fantastic. Which one was that one? I don't remember. It's under Rachel Bach. Oh, yeah. I forgot she has another name. They were not fantastic. So skip skip her first trilogy. It's sci-fi. Which... Oh, Fortune's Pawn? Fortune's Pawn, that's what that was. And the first one's okay, and they just don't... I had such high expectations. Right. <laughs> How do you come off of Nice Dragons without high expectations? And they're very different books, with very different aims. Everybody in Fortune's Pawn are like, really shitty. Oh, man. Yeah. You would not that. I thought that was, like, opposite vibes. Yes. Good to know. But, yeah. I don't even um, remember why we were talking about th- Oh, because DFC. Know? So I bought... So she so, wrote a companion trilogy, kind yes. of? Yes. To the Nice Dragons called the DFC, because that's where they... The Detroit Free Zone. Yes. Because this is... Not only is, like, it just really lovely and positive, but it also... I feel like when she published them, they would never have been able to be traditionally published. One, because of the length. But two, because it's so many different genres mashed together, and they all work, but like, you can't tell someone that it's post-apocalyptic, futuristic, science fiction dragons with spirits. (laughs) And a cat. And a cat. The cat is... Isn't the cat a spirit? I don't know. Yes. Okay, so. Ghost cat. And... Like, it's it's just too many things for traditional publishing to be able yep. to swallow. So, I'm very glad they're out <sighs> in the world. I know she makes way more money on them than she would if she'd been traditionally published, which makes me equally happy. Good. Okay, so most of it takes anyway. place in the Detroit <laughs> yes. Free Zone, which is about 80 years into the future, something like thereabouts. So there was, like, a asteroid or something that hit and woke all the dragons up, yeah, and the dragons ended story. the world, and then... Or, like, the asteroid hit and woke all the dragons up and all the spirits, and now there's magic or something? Yeah, something like that. And then the DFC was established as a, none of the human rules apply. It's something like, anything goes, magical community. As long as you don't disturb the dragons or something? Yeah. Something something like that. It's been a while for both of us, but... I mean, like, nothing's happened between 2020 and now, so... um, (laughs) It is still 2020. (laughs) We read these yesterday. <laughs> um, so I got out the whole fantastic books. DFC trilogy. Have and you've read two of them? Mm-mm. You haven't read them? I any? have had no, because oh, I okay. I almost bought the first two, but then the third one came out and wasn't available oh, yeah. in paperback for like Unacceptable <laughs> Months and months and months and months. They must match. Yeah. I mean like I think they're also like on Kindle Unlimited, so I yeah. can only get them in paperback. Which was, I'm not, not, I'm not subscribing, <laughs> no, to Kindle Unlimited. We have our Sorry, limits. Lisa. Send me your story, I'd love to read it, but I'm not subscribing. Who? Lisa. Oh, oh. My writer friend. Oh, oh. So, so, the DFC books. It is a trilogy, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have, like, there's this really lovely epilogue in the Nice Dragon books. So yeah. like, there's no way it includes any, any of the main Nice Dragon characters. Which is Okay. I'm very excited for them. So excited! Especially now, the third one I can actually, like, get my hands on. Yay! Yeah. It's just amazing. I wonder when mine will arrive. You have to text me when they do. Okay. <laughs> just, like, throw pictures all over the internet. Look at my joy. <laughs> Look at it. Look at <laughs> it. So, I... I have anticipated Book Crawl too much. <laughs> Not enough? Too much? I, I want to say I've been better about it, but like there are ebooks that go on sale mm-hmm. and I buy them. <laughs> and we just do. It's <laughs> <know. Just laughs> how it is. But I do have this massive list of books in my Mysterious Galaxy cart. For and book any. Crawl? Yes, any that I don't get at Book Crawl, I'm just gonna hit. <gasps> Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I'm very. I'm really looking forward to book crawl. I am trying to finish a few like paperbacks I have, especially from that like closing bookstore where we bought like yes, fifteen <laughs> hard covers. They for, were seventy five percent off. <laughs> I can't. I still can't believe how cheap they all were. I know. Blows my mind. Oh, delicious. I oh. know. Yeah. It's like one of the. I think it was the Echo Life, the ebook went on mm-hmm. sale, oh. since I bought it at Bookstore. Bookstar? Book <laughs> <At laughs> bookstore. at <laughs> Bookstore. Bookstore. <laughs> but, like, the ebook went on sale, and I think it was still more than what I paid it. For the hard number. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was a delightful moment. So, we'll, we'll be back after Book Crawl days. We'll see. Hung over as all hell. <laughs> so... Here's hoping you support your local indies during Independent Bookstore Day on April 30th? Whatever that Saturday is. April 30th. Or, you know, all the time. So that means we have to get this out before April oh, yeah. 30th. Never mind! <laughs> Here's hoping! Here's hoping you find a series that is as amazing as the Nice Dragons Yes! Story. Something that brings you as much joy as the Nice Dragons Well, I was going to say bring both of us, but Gabby's losing her head, so. This has been another episode of Infinite TBR. You can find us on our Twitter, at Infinite TBR. And we are individually on Twitter as at WhatSmackSaid and at Gabalodon, which is like Megalodon, but Gab in the front of it. And you can find all our show notes at InfiniteTBR.com. If you have book recommendations for us or questions you want answered during the podcast, feel free to email us at itbrshelf at gmail.com.